Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to the Spring Beautiful Podcast. How are you this fine 9th of November? Can you believe it? 9th of November. Here in the States, we're about to have Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. I can't believe it. You know what also happens on the day of Thanksgiving? Spring Boot 3.2. So yeah, try the bits out. Get them now. They're awesome. Uh, there's You should be upgrading. Remember, this is a great chance to upgrade to Java 21. You don't need to. You can still use Java 17. But why would you? Why would you? You, you, can, be on, you can be on Java 21, which in turn brings you Project Loom. Uh, and of course, you get to continue using GraalVM if you like. Uh, why wouldn't you? Because it's awesome. And then of course, you can use uh, Project Crack support that's new in Java, uh, sorry, in Spring Boot uh, 3.2 and Spring Framework 6.1. Both of which, again, are coming out in just like a couple of weeks, basically, right? Uh, less than that, actually. Yeah, it's just, uh, well, no, about two weeks. A little bit more than two weeks, I guess. Uh, when is it? 24th? I forget. It's always the third or fourth Thursday of November. Sorry. Anyway, um, in the U.S., we're about to have Thanksgiving. And I guess what I'm trying to say is on the same day, we're going to release Spring Boot 3.2. I am thankful for that. <laughs> like, I am super excited about this release. This release is, oh. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait. Um yeah, just get the bits now. I'm I'm actually uh right now today, I'm very lucky. I'm attending a conference. Now, if you know me, you know that I've spoken at uh I don't know, probably thousands of conferences at this point. Um but I, I very rarely get a chance to go to attend them. And so the nice people at uh, GitHub reached out to me and asked me if I wanted a complimentary ticket to uh GitHub Universe which is happening in my fair city of San Francisco uh, yesterday and today. And I said, well, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, I love uh, GitHub. I'm a huge fan. Um, uh, and, and I do, by the way, like, it's ridiculous. I, I, I pay a nominal amount every month. I think it's like, whatever, 10 bucks or 15 bucks. Some, some ridiculous uh, borderline insulting amount of money. Like I, I honestly, if they, and I, and I've even complained to them on Twitter. I'm like, look, I'm, I literally have, I don't know, north of 600, 600 repositories. I have like 9,000 followers on GitHub. Uh, I use, I have like 20 or 30 different organizations. I mean, I use GitHub all the time, all the time. And I use GitHub Actions as often, right? Just as often. And that's actually like free CPU power right there. That's actually, it's obscene what you can do with GitHub Actions. That is it. That itself would be a whole service that other companies would charge for. Uh, and yet you just get it for free especially if you're doing open source stuff, which I am, right? Um, and by the way, that's a good point. Go to my github.com, Josh Long, and look at my organizations and look at my code. You'll, you'll find, like I said, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of repositories. It got to the point where actually I had to create a new org called Josh Long-Attic and then chuck like everything save for a, a dozen or two uh, really, really key repositories over there. And, that, and, and, and so my main github.com, Josh Long, has already ballooned Again, it's in the 50s or 60s or something like that. It's, it's just, it's out of control. It's a, I've got a problem, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, GitHub is enabling that problem. I love GitHub. They love me. They've been so, so good. Uh, and um, I, I uh, like I said, I, I've actually tweeted to them, you know, over my, in the last several years, several, several different times saying like, look, I'm, thank you. I, I'm, I'm just out. Nobody's asked me. Nobody, nobody. Just out of nowhere, I just make sure to voluntarily say every now and then just to cleanse the timeline. I am super grateful for GitHub. I cannot tell you. Uh, and I thought when Microsoft took over, I didn't know what I thought. I didn't. I wasn't expecting it. 
to get even better, but it's gotten way better, right? Uh, I was expecting, you know, it's Microsoft smart. Why would they uh, uh, risk spoiling the broth, you know? Uh, and uh, they took the risk and they it worked out great. They've delivered more and more and more uh, since the acquisition. I mean, it's just always been an interesting uh, use uh, use case and, and company and all that, and it's just gotten better. So thank you, GitHub. I am... Uh, I'm a huge fan, and then to be able to go there this week, I got to bunch. I got to bump into a bunch of like uh, friends. I, I mean, a lot of people are in town for the show. Uh, in, in addition to me, so I'm just like seeing friends left and right, including um, uh, Santosh Yadav, who's on on the show. Actually, he was a he's a, a guru in the Angular JS or Angular uh, space, legend in that space. He's got a, a YouTube video, one single YouTube video with like a million plus views. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, it's a tutorial, you know? So he's really great. And, and like, I was really glad to to see him. We first met in person uh, in Greece uh, before summer, like back in the spring. I, it was for DevOps Greece. And actually I was there for, this is the thing. I was there for DevOps Greece. He was there for something completely different. What are the chances? Super small world. Um, and we we'd kind of vaguely knew each other online. We're both Google uh, developer experts and, uh, you know, we've got to have a, a chance to finally meet was really cool. And then uh, serendipity of serendipities, he's in town for Get About uh, Universe, not realizing I was actually living here. Or something. Anyway, we got to hang out and uh, had a great day yesterday. Uh, and uh, today I'm hoping to see uh, a veteran of the Spring team, uh, a guy named Christian Dupuy, who, if you've ever used uh, the Spring Tool Suite, you owe a lot to him. Uh, he, he actually he was also very important in the... Uh, early formative days of uh of spring boot i think he's the one who created contributed the um the shell not the, the do you remember i mean some of you might remember for spring boot 1.0 we had a crash shell or something like that i forget what it was called it was it was really cool like repl it was a curses console based thing with like graphs and telemetry and uh, statistics about your ram you just logged in it was like you could it was in a, it was actually on ssh you could ssh into this thing and just get a dump of all the cool information about your application. It was really, really neat. Um, I think he contributed that among many other things. Like he's he's awesome. And and uh, long story short, he left and uh, did a thing with uh, uh, Spring Framework uh, founder Rod Johnson. And then that thing was uh, <sighs> what happened. That thing was eventually acquired by Docker, and so now he's at Docker. And at Docker, they are working on all sorts of cool stuff including something called Docker Scout. And uh, Docker Scout is, uh, kinda, I guess, the evolution, the natural evolution of the stuff that they were working on with, uh, working on together before they got acquired. And um, and yeah, yeah, like, again, small world. I mean, the, the, the Christian lives in Germany, uh, even though his last name sounds vaguely French to my, uh, to my uh, you know, ignorant ears. Um, uh, and so he's actually in my town as well. I mean, there's just so many cool people here. I mean, so anyway, all that to say, friends, um, I gotta go. I there's there's people I want to go talk to, and uh, and also there's a, there's today's interview. We gotta get that underway uh, as well. So friends, uh, we're gonna talk to one of my friends. We we had this nice conversation. You know, speaking of conferences and serendipitous sort of conversations, I had this wonderful conversation with my friend Simon Ritter. Now Simon Ritter is a um, Deputy CTO at Azul Systems. They make uh, super high-performance, reliable, robust JVMs, right? And uh, years ago, I remember first hearing about Azul uh, back in the 
like 20, you know, 2000s, basically, 2011, 2010, um, a gentleman named uh, Gil Tenet and I, we bumped into each other at the server-side Java Symposium uh, more than a decade ago, you know, back in 2009, I think. And uh, he was telling me about how they had built, and I understood vaguely what they were doing before. I had looked at their stuff back, no, it was probably 2008. That's what it was. I was actually, this is before I joined the Spring team. And they had a, a JVM that was an appliance. You had to buy a piece of hardware to run the JVM, right? Um, and then the JVM itself was built in such a way that you can have unlimited RAM. You know, you can have RAM, uh, like not unlimited, but you can have hundreds of gigabytes or terabytes, or I'm not sure, I forget, but it was just some obscene amount of RAM for the JVM. And if you've ever used the JVM, uh, you know that, you know, it's it, it can handle a fair bit of RAM, but you, it, at some point you're going to, paid for that right you're gonna you have to make sure you're garbage collecting it and um there used to be this sort of sort of like dotted line boundary at which you could no longer run more ram or address more ram in your garbage collector uh for the old days and i talk about this a lot the uh the you know what was it two gigabytes i think it was two gigabytes of ram was the amount that people could usefully address back uh you know 20 years ago when everything was 32 bit nowadays you can address a little bit more but but still, you get these garbage collection, these lurching garbage collection pauses and so on. So so back in 2009, to have an appliance that did this kind of stuff and that made it like possible, even though it was a separate thing, you ran your separate thing uh, and you ran your code on the separate thing specifically, uh, to have this uh, the possibility of running and addressing, you know, hundreds of gigs of RAM in the JVM. I mean, it changes things. It, it really does. It changes uh, what is possible. Like it. How much of your system today um, is distributed just because you couldn't clump it all into one monolithic application, right? Because of RAM constraints. Um, and, you know, if you could just put everything in RAM, if you could store your whole database in RAM, why would you bother going over wire? You know, and maybe you can just do replication. Um, uh, I mean, just a lot, of, a lot of things become kind of interesting. You know what else is in that same vein, by the way? Let me take a little digression here. You know what else I've been thinking about? And I was talking to Chris Richardson, my friend, uh, Chris Richardson, a fellow Java champion and also uh, an alumnus of this very show. Um, I was talking to him and, uh, it, you know, there's it in that same vein, it kind of dawned on us that there are a lot of things that are possible um, that you can do in, in process that you might have otherwise sort of offloaded to another process before, thanks to Project Loom. So what I mean by that is, think about the distinction between front office and back office work, right? Um, it's very natural to, um, you got something long running, you wanna send an email, you wanna do some image processing or something like that. You've got this long running thing um, and it's just taking time. Maybe you wanna send a message, you know, the natural inclination and certainly one that is, I think, uh, will serve you well no matter what, even today. Uh, the natural inclination there is to say, okay, I've got this thing that's going to take a long time. I don't want to sit there and monopolize my front-end web thread pool, right? I don't want Tomcat's threads being spent on sending email, you know, with Java Mail or something like that, which is which requires retries and and uh, waits and all that stuff. Um, I don't want to waste my front-end web web thread pool for uh, image resizing. You know, let's let's move that off to another service. Uh, I'll just send a message over RabbitMQ or Kafka, get the message and then handle the thing and send a response asynchronously later on. And the reason we do this is because again, 
up until recently, threads were expensive. You, you would do everything you could to keep work out of the front-end web thread pool. But now, with Project Loom, so much of that conventional wisdom is just sort of upended. You know, I, I can, why not just do it in the current server? You know, I mean, there's some really interesting things there. Wait states, you know, we talk about uh, continuations. Well, not like an explicit API for continuations, but imagine you wanted to build something like that, right? You could imagine you wanted to build something where, um, you know, you do a thing and then the, the something in, in, and the JVM pauses to wait for an, uh, an event. Uh, well, normally you'd model that as like event-driven, message queue-driven sort of workflow. But if I can just keep a thread dedicated to monitoring this thing for days and not really feel it, right? I can still handle millions of requests. Then why wouldn't I? You know, it's a lot easier to program. It, it does uh, assume that everything is still running, of course, which is a lofty assumption that you can't always make um, and then for the, and that's why for this reason i still think it's very valuable to factor things out into message queues but but for a lot of use cases it might just be fine like i i why not you know like there's an example there's um the spring integration gateway pattern right so gateway is basically you write an interface and then you invoke a method and then behind the scenes there's a proxy that's created uh where when you invoke a method and you pass in parameters uh, to the to the uh, method invocation arguments. Um, it sends a message over a queue, which then is delivered presumably to Kafka or RabbitMQ, which then triggers some asynchronous thing on some other node, which then produces a reply. Right. Well, from the gateway perspective, the gateway pattern, the idea is that you are invoking this proxy, this facade, and the facade is sitting there waiting for the response on the reply queue. It's an anonymous reply queue, but it's just sitting there. And that's fine for small, short-lived things that you've factored out into other services. But again, it's just blocking the thread, which is a problem. You don't want to build your code that way. Or do you, right? Now you've got Project Loom, and now it's like, well, okay, I can sit here. I, I mean, I got all day. I got uh, nobody else who's going to use this thread. And I'm not sitting here wasting it in the meantime. Blocking is not inherently a sin anymore, you know? Um, just a lot of things become a lot simpler because of Loom. So huge fan there. Anyway. All that to say, going back to Azul Systems, they have this incredible uh, um, appliance of a virtual machine. And, uh, you know, it's since changed the open source part of it. It's now run, you can run it on every operating system. You don't have to run on their uh, specific uh, appliance. Um, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, that was Gil Tennant, and he's been on the show. We had him on the show at least once, I think, in 2019. By the way, Azul, they're the progenitors of... Um, uh, Project Crack, right? The uh, coordinated restore restore checkpoint, right? Um, and uh, and then uh, several years ago, like five years ago or six years ago, they did something that I wish we had done, uh, which is they hired Simon Ritter. Now Simon Ritter is a uh, a fellow Java champion, uh, just a legend. He's a he's um I think he's been on the show before, but even if he hasn't, uh, like you've probably seen his stuff. He used to work at Oracle, and he was one of those Oracle wizards. He was one of those people that I just loved uh, watching write code because he would write these little projects that are, you know, like they're just really compelling uses of Java that just challenge your assumptions about what Java was best suited for. And one of the things he did was uh, he used uh, Linux and the Java USB Bluetooth API, Java Bluetooth API uh, to work with an X, no, was it Xbox or something? It was like the 3D, 3D camera from Xbox, 
I think it was Xbox or maybe it was Nintendo Wii or something. It was, it was the Nintendo Wii. Basically, he used the Nintendo, something like that, a spatial motion sensor. You know, he had it trained on him so he could move around and then read that telemetry from a Java program and then update the screen in response to that. So it was, an, it was like really phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's not a sensor. Maybe it was like, I don't remember exactly, but it was one of the things where it's like, well, yeah, I can do that with Java. I just never thought to do it with Java because who builds that kind of stuff with Java? But why wouldn't you? It works great, you know? Um, and he also, you know, he's done projects where he's uh, controlled his Audi with Java and read data from it and all that. I mean, just amazing, amazing, cool demos, you know, like uh, stuff that makes you really want to just like roll up your sleeves and try something cool, right? And I, I've always loved uh, Simon's, uh, his panache, you know, the way he uh, approaches a, a demonstration and a tech talk. He's... Uh, equal parts, interesting and educational and uh, amusing. So uh, I was just really glad when I got to see him. He's an old friend. I've known him and Gail for about as long as each other. And uh, the, to see them both at uh, DevOx Belgium uh, just a few months ago. And by the way, thanks DevOx Belgium for an amazing show. That was, that was uh, you know, aside from, you know, um, Spring IO and from, uh, Spring One in Vegas and in uh, Singapore and so on. Aside from those key events, um, I think DevOps Belgium this year was my favorite event. It there was something in the air, man. It was uh, what a what a rush. That was I, I just so many amazing. Some of it was like it was fueled by nostalgia, but also just this realization that we're in the middle of something really amazing. You know, there this moment in the Java ecosystem, this moment in time, uh, we are lucky to be here. You know. And um, so anyway, I was just glad to see him. I was really glad to see him at DevOps Belgium. I love DevOps Belgium and I was, it's one of the reasons is because I get reunited with old friends like this. And it was just, you know, we, I was, I, I've been amused by this, but a lot of these people I've seen at DevOps Belgium for a decade or more, you know, and every year we talk a little bit and surely we see each other elsewhere in the world as well. Sometimes we'll bump into each other in serendipitous fashion in other cities, countries, and conferences, but, uh, it's just it's just amusing that he and I are we have stayed the same, albeit slightly grayer. Maybe I've got a little bit more of a punch than I did, but we're basically the same. But the Java ecosystem is night and day today compared to what it looked like when we first would have started talking, you know. And uh, and so that <laughs> having a, a something familiar, having a, a something uh, you recognize in the um, the entropy of of the stream of the development of Java. It's just wonderful. So I was just, I was just glad to have this chance. So friends, enjoy this discussion with my friend Simon Ritter. Have a great week, uh, and uh, see you next week. There we go. We are, yeah. I think people can hear us. I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah. Good. Simon, how are you, my friend? Good to see you again. I am very good. It's, been, it's great to see you again as well. I mean, it has been a while. Hasn't it? Uh, did we see each other since the virus? I think so. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Were you at Dev Nexus? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, yeah. Sure 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 okay, good. Nexus, yeah. Some people I st I haven't seen since the damn virus, right? I don't. Yeah, um, yeah, because I, I just saw uh, some of the people on the Oracle stand, and it was like uh, you know, Doctor Deprecator was there, and I haven't seen him in. Stuart, yeah, I haven't uh, seen him in like four years. Which is weird because you all used to work together, and yeah. now it's like, oh, but granted, you are across. You're in. That's true. He's on the other side of the continent and across an ocean from you. Uh, which is, that's a bit of a schlep. It is. It is, yeah. But the virus definitely made things feel large that necessarily weren't 
Like they, they don't, they didn't need to be. It's just that virus kept us apart. It made everything feel big again. <laughs> it certainly did. When yeah. planes made it feel small, you know. Um, so anyway, I'm just glad to see you. So you're, uh, we're at DevOps. We are. Which is a, a hell of a place. I, 20th anniversary edition. And by the way, you know what else we're celebrating 20 years of this year? Spring. Ooh. Spring framework. All right. Early access bills started coming out in 2003. So I, one, I can trace back my, I, I know where I was roughly when the first job off list was going on. Right. right? Like, <laughs> like, I wasn't here. No. But I, I didn't even, I didn't come to the first job off list. I was trying to work out when I first came. I think it was a two, I think it was two thousand five was the first time I came, and it, it, I think it was still Jobopolis at that point. Wow! And then it changed to being DevOps. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure I came to the, to one of the Jobopolis. Their whole the whole kerfuffle around the use of the word Java. Java, yeah. Yeah, it's trademark infringement and all that good stuff. Yeah, they um they made a lot of friends with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. With that. Well, to be fair, Sun started it. You know, I love yeah. Sun, but but they did start the uh, you know it's our brand, it's our trademark. No, no, I know it's. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I'm saying Sun made a lot of friends with that. Right. Oh, yes. That, we mean, dude, yes. Yeah, yeah, that line of inquisition. Um, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I was thinking about that, actually. Uh, so I saw you. It's good to see you again. Uh, but I also saw our old friend uh, Alexis Mushkin. Yes. Uh, another yeah, one of those. I haven't seen him since before COVID. Yeah, uh, see, yeah. before yeah. COVID, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, that's what that denomination means. Um, uh, but again, it just feels, so it, as good as it is to see you and Alexis and all this, I was thinking it's 2023, but it could be 2013. It could have been 2003. Yes. I, I think all of us would have been, well, certainly 2013 anyway. I know I knew all of you then by that point, right? It, um, it is quite scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm, my hair's thinning. Some of us are graying. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten a little bit more rotund. So, uh, I, was, I was trying to work out because let's see, it's 2001, so 20. I've been doing this for nearly a quarter of a century. <laughs> yeah, You mean so I've I've been working since two thousand and two. Right, right. So, yeah. so a quarter so, of a century. But so I, I joined Sun Microsystems in in February nineteen ninety six, and that that makes me feel old because that wasn't even my first job. Wow, it wasn't even my second job. So it's like, wow, I miss. I and mean, to be at, at Sun at that time would have been, yeah. I think, a rare. I literally I joined in the same week. Within a week or so of when JDK 1.0 was released, so oh, I, didn't join, I, I didn't join like when they came out with the announcement, which was May 1995. Right. But I joined February 96, which was when they they actually released the first official JDK, and I I kind of I I didn't join to do Java. I joined to do Solaris. Right, which is also an amazing piece of kit. I it was. That. Yep, yep. But the the thing was, I pretty quickly realized that you know Java was going to be this kind of exciting thing that might have some you know distance in it, and I should get into this. Yeah. So I thought, right, that's it. And so I think it was nineteen. So that was nineteen ninety seven. Was the first Java presentation I did. Wow. And I still got the presentation. <laughs> it's really silly. Was it PowerPoint or what? Yeah, it's PowerPoint. Oh, that's the nice thing is you can open those docs forever. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, I how do you like here we are now? You had you had green threads in Java one. And now we have green threads again in Java twenty. We don't. No, 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 no. See, this, this is one of those things that you have to understand. Because a lot of people go, oh, well, your virtual threads, aren't they like green threads? Right. Not quite. Well, you know what I mean. I, I know, yeah. but, but it's, it's an important distinction to make because if you look at green threads, green threads were, came about because uh, certain operating systems, mention no names, but Windows 95, yeah, yeah. didn't have threading built into the operating system. Hard right. to believe in this day and age that there, yeah. there was an operating system that didn't do threading. Right. And so Java being right once from anywhere has threads built into it from the very beginning. Right. You create a new thread and you need to be able to execute that as a separate thread. 
So what they said was, okay, well, rather than us trying to figure out how, how Windows and Microsoft could do this, let's put a layer in the JVM that does threads in the JVM. So that's green threads. But the thing is, it's a many to one mapping because you've only got one thread at the operating system level. Right. So it had to do the scheduling. Um, the schedule. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the key point. It has to do scheduling and preemption. Right. Now, with virtual threads, what you've got is a many to many mapping. Right. But it's not, there's no preemption in virtual threads. And that's besides what you do with the yield and things like that. Yeah, but that's not preemption. Okay. That's yielding. Okay. Yielding and preemption, two different, very different things. Okay. So um, you can you can yield a thread. You're uh, saying so preemption is something else is asking me to yield? Yes, yes. So, so, so preemption is all about when you have a time-sharing operating system. Right. You know, I did Solaris. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I did Unix before that. Right. Um, yeah, so preemption is all about a time-sharing operating system where you get a quanta of, of time right. associated, uh, uh, allocated to your thread. When that quanta expires, you get preempted by the scheduler and another process or gets scheduled. So there's there's quite a significant thing, you see, that, that having preemption and the time-sharing scheduler um, means that, that there's fairness in yeah. the threads. With virtual threads, they're very good, but there's no fairness. Right. If you hold that thread, if you pin it on a, a synchronized platform thread, yeah. Yeah, um, a couple of ways you can pin it, um, then uh, just by doing CPU. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. anything that's CPU intensive, yeah, then you get pinned. Uh, nobody's going to preempt you. So it's just something to be aware of. Fair enough. But either way, there was a runtime in Java, yes, written by the Java JDK folks, yes, uh, that managed threads, and there was a one to n, yes, right, um, and now there's n to n m, n to m, yes, yep. But for a long time, it's just one to one, yes, right, exactly. So yeah, we actually had multiple arity mappings of Java threads to carrier threads, yes, exactly. Back then, and we have it now, yeah, kind of. Uh, but yeah, you can do that with platform threads. So platform right. threads are the, the, the mapping to the uh, operating system. Right. right. Yeah. So we, that was the default implementation for, I don't know when they, I don't know when they tore it out. I guess it was before 1.2. Um, um, yes. I, I don't even know when they dropped green threads. Right. A bit later than that, actually. Yeah, but okay. You'd have to go back and have a look. We should get Remy to do that keynote <laughs> from a few years ago at Java 1 where he looked at all the old, he brought back, he resuscitated and ran in a virtual machine for... Yep. Old versions I, of Windows. I, I've done this recently. Right. I was doing some stuff around this, and I tried to get stuff running. Uh, I, I tried to get code running from JDK 1.2 or yeah. JDK 21. Yeah, and it will actually run. Of course, you, you can't go back. So, so JDK 0 and JDK 1.0 and 1.1. There were a couple of changes in the class file format. Right. Some some applications will run, but some won't. Okay. And the thing was, that the only ones I could find that were already compiled were applets. Yeah. And it was like, ah, uh, yeah, but Apple's aren't supported beyond JDK 11. So. Yeah, so awkward. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly a phenomenal, because again, 20, almost 28 years. Uh, yeah. 28 years we're talking about here, people. Think about what happened 28 years ago. I, I reckon a lot of people in the audience aren't that old yet, you know? Uh, <laughs> just just yeah. 28 years. I remember 28 years ago, I was not working. You know, let's put it that way. I was definitely in school. 28 years ago, I was 30. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no 28 years is a, a long time. time yeah that was before so that was um in the first bill, bill clinton administration in the united states right yeah right yep uh, that was before 9-11 yeah way before yeah. that was way before 9-11 that was before uh cars that you could talk to mm -hmm. that was before the iphone it was before, before the iphone yeah of course yeah yeah so, before, uh, bands as a thing 
five. Yeah, so mobile phones were a thing at that time, yeah, but not like no, smartphones. No, certainly not yeah. smartphones. Uh, it was before J2ME. Yeah. In fact, even laptops, you know, you think about what a laptop was like in 1995. Yeah, brick. My mom had one. She brought home this brick. Yeah. And it was a, what else? Ten inch screen, nine inch screen. Yeah, I was going to say 10 inch screen. Yeah. It was more like an iPad. It was a, it was, and and it was a miracle. Yeah. Little, uh, this is back when IBM made ThinkPads. Yeah. (laughs) They had nibbles, the little ThinkPads, but that wasn't Lenovo. That was still IBM back then. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, IBM made laptops. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Before the, the, the Lenovo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lenovo yeah. got uh, acquired. Acquired the aren't they a Chinese company? I could be. They are, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Lenovo and they make great. The Lenovo lab ThinkPads are fabulous. Oh yeah, still. they're very rugged. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean they, that heritage owes from the IBM days. That was when IBM compatible PC meant something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it was like a thing that we wanted to have it labeled on our, our machines. It's just an incredibly long time. So the idea that I can write code, I could have written code, then compiled it, and now just take the same compiled jars and run it today. Unchanged, basically. Oh, it's the, the, the funniest thing is that actually when you when you do something like this, and I, I took the dancing juke applet, <laughs> the applet and I run it on. I think it was because JDK eight still had the applet viewer, right? And I ran it on there. And the funniest thing about that was that you, you put it on the screen, and it's this because of course the resolution, <laughs> the DPI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's another thing is the uh, applets. I mean, there was just there was a web browser. Do you remember the old hotspot hot? Hot, hot Java. Hot Java, web yeah. browser, yep. written in Java. As a, as yeah, because, of course, you know, everything was Netscape at that time. And, of course. Um, what was it? Mosaic. Mosaic, yeah. Mosaic, yeah. No, that's really going back. So. AOL. I mean, uh, again, Windows 95. AOL. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that was the funniest thing when, uh, just recently, yeah. was I was flying with United. Yes, as well. And, and so I went to... Uh, survived. Okay, I, I survived, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I went to uh, do my uh, like um, check-in yeah. in United, and it goes your email address. So I typed in esrita at azul.com, and underneath it said, did you mean esrita at aol.com? Oh, I'm like, no. 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 <laughs> what is that? No, I did not. No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Who used it? Does anybody still use it? Does it still exist? Even, even the CDs I used as toasters, yeah. as uh, coasters, yeah. I've long since, you know, disappeared. Uh, yeah, so long time. Crazy long time. And you were there. Yeah, you were I, part I, of Sun. At the beginning, yeah. I loved uh, Solaris. Yes. Actually, it's funny. I forgot. It. I didn't know that about you, or maybe I did and I forgot. Um, Solaris is like, so again, Linux is a known quantity today. But in the 90s and the early 2000s, if you wanted to make sure that thing ran and ran well, it was Solaris. on Unix and dollars to donuts, it was going to be yep. Solaris. Yep. Right? I would never use a, a AIX or any of that stuff. Like Solaris is where it was. And it was, it was a two-part thing. Sun made Solaris, which was a, a Unix, but they also made the Spark That's right. yes. machines. And those things were bulletproof. Yes. Rock, so I, you could, I, I, I swear, I never, I'll never forget going into a data center and ripping RAM out of a running machine and it just yeah. kind of like went what? okay yeah we'll just redirect to yeah fine you know yeah. like, hot swap the, 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 you can literally hot swap power supplies well the thing. thing is running yeah and just the most insanely bulletproof rugged it, enterprise it, it machine. power supplies especially like the e10ks they had redundant power supplies you could hot swap a power supply while the machine was running so you give that and plus solaris which is a bulletproof I mean, you know, they had zones before yeah. we had Docker and yeah, yep, and all that. Yep, yep, there was it, exactly. Solaris, you know. And D-Trace. Oh, I mean. D-Trace is a magic oh. trick. We still don't have that kind of observability nope. in Linux. Nope. Not even close. And then we have EBF, EBPF, uh, which is kind of approaching that, I guess. Yep. But 
that's in psyllium and all this kind of stuff. But that's all relatively last like 10 years. Yeah. But that was in Solaris. I mean, D-Chase was in the 20s, yeah, yeah. 2000s, but still. Yeah. Just sorcery, just an amazing, amazing operating system. So, uh, and then to pair that with Java. Oh. That was the thing about Sun. Sun was this company that came up with so many cool technologies. Yeah. And they just didn't monetize it. I mean, the only, I mean, to be fair, not all of it was, not not all that glitters is gold. There, oh, was, no. there was motif. Oh, yeah. There, there was there was the plenty, there were plenty of there were plenty of things that didn't quite work out you know the way that they wanted them to. Right. Um, I think the, there was Project Rave. Um, uh, there was some of the, the tooling that they did was was a little less than you know brilliant. I was talking to Alexis earlier. We were talking about the Java desktop system. Oh yes, JDS. Oh yes. Uh, I missed that. And then when the when the stock ticker got changed. Yeah. Also that, Java, yeah. yeah, which is. Right, and that, that was that was like you know we are really desperate now. So what can we do? So, so from the outside, it looked like, look, we're we're all in on this Java technology, and I don't I don't know any other publicly traded company that traded their like Microsoft hasn't changed their name to C Sharp, right? Or Stock Ticker. No, no, no. That's a huge endorsement, you know. Yeah. Like it's a big deal. Like the, so, the world has to know Java exists. You know? I remember back in the it would be about 1998, 1999, because this was when app servers were kind of right. really taking off because Enterprise yeah. Java came out, and Obviously, there was like so there was um, there was web logic at that time because yeah it was BEA web logic before Oracle acquired it. Yeah, oh, BEA another from, from IBM, and then Sun had an app server. Yes, yes. Except we had three different app servers. So there was right. NetDynamics, there was the Sun app server, and then there was another one as well, which I can't even remember the name of. I remember NetDynamics. <laughs> Probably yeah, Glassfish. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yes, yeah. that was there then though. Yeah. Because they open sourced it, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just remember that, like, it, I think it was like Net Dynamics three or something, and the amount of effort I had to go to just to get a server to work. <laughs> it was literally like you know debugging the app server to get a server to work. Why did you need the app server for the servlet? Well, because this is the days. Well, was it, it was like top top part, I think was it, uh, EJB. Yeah, it was EJB. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would have so been. Pretty... I was doing servlets and EJBs and save app server. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. But it was ah. just complicated to get it all to work. Super complicated. I mean, it's still it's not it's not pleasant to make JavaScript and JSON work today either. But it's certainly a far side easier than sending serialized classes over a yeah. network boundary with yeah. RMI. Yeah, that was a level unto its own, you know. And the security quandary, right? Know, the quagmire of. I send this serialized job object. It's probably oh. fine, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong with serialization? Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, serialization is one of those things that that I guess when they go, if if you go back in time and, and go, what would you leave out from Java? Oh yeah, serialization is probably not easy, and, and that would also for, that would foreclose upon RMI and EJP. Yeah, yep. all of which are best left in the dustbin in history, yep. right? Like I'm. I guess finalization is the other thing that uh, people will probably go, yeah, we didn't need that. At least they're trying to yeah. deprecate. They're, they're going to finalize, yeah. finalize. Yeah. That's right. They finally deprecated finally. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, finalization, not finally. Yeah. Absolutely amazing uh, uh, experience. So, okay. I, I guess that's a, they tried to deprecate it, and finally they did. <laughs> I'm all about oh, but the other thing I would get rid of, and I'm, this is controversial. Hot take here. Hot take. Checked exceptions. I don't need them. I don't want I <laughs> yeah. them to be This gone. was a discussion that we, we were having earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah that so, was... checked exceptions become unchecked exceptions. Please, yeah. please don't make me deal with them in every Lambda. I don't, I just don't, I don't care. It makes my code look ugly. 
And it's to the point, the whole point of a Lambda is like, it's just a little dose, a little a raindrop of code <laughs> that it's interstitched in this functional pipeline. But if I have to add more than a line or two for every little thing, because there's an exception involved somewhere, yeah. then it no longer becomes this quaint, cute little yeah. pipeline. It becomes yeah. programmed inside yeah. of somebody else's context. I don't yeah, know. You, you end up doing lots of method references and, yeah. and handling it inside a method. and like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I have it static. Yeah just so that I can do the exception handling in a yeah. proper method, right? And we talked about uh, Lombok, I, I love sneaky throws. Yeah. See, it's, see, I mean, I used, used to use Lombok for data, data and all that stuff. No need, it's, uh, those days are gone. But sneaky throws, please just extract that out. Give me that one little tiny little annotation processor that takes like one kilobyte of code, yeah. one KB, yeah. you know, that'll be fine. Um, okay, so all that to say, Java's come a long way, so have we, amazing times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you doing now? Like, why are you here instead of at home relaxing? So, um, yeah, so, so we're here. We, we have a stand, which, I, yeah, you can just about. Uh, I got the, got, yeah, yeah, the camera. Policy approving. I'm going to, uh, can I do that? I don't want to do it. Okay, okay we won't worry about it. Yeah, we, a great, we, huge booth. Yeah. Huge. Cool. So we are. Oh, we are, oh that's great. There we go. Yeah. So we're back. So we are, we are sponsoring um, because, you know, DevOps is the, the premier, premier event. Yeah. Certainly in Europe. Sure. Not the world. I, I think so the question now is uh, when we talk about DevOps, I think next year they're going to have two floors for DevOps France. Right. And that'll be the center of gravity, right? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that's a big one. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this is huge. I mean, DevOps, for people who don't know, it's been here in the same venue. theater, the yeah. same venue for... Ever. Yes. Right. So for like 20, well, over 20 years. Right. This is the 20th anniversary of DevOps. Which is incredible. Congratulations, uh, DevOps. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so you're sponsoring. Yep. You, and w which company are you at now? So I'm at Azul. Can you see that? There you go. Simon Ritter at Azul. At Azul. A-Z-U-L. That's not just blue. That's right. So so we do we do Java. Yeah. And I, so I've, I've been here for eight years now. Like, it's just like crazy. Has it been eight years already? Eight years. Oh, because it was like four before the virus. Yep. So, of course, it's okay. Yep. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and Alexis told me he was at Google for 10 years already. I know. Yeah, that, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? Yeah. Time just, just flies. Yeah, okay. That's Except crazy. time between paychecks. That right. doesn't fly by. No, no, it's agonizing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so we're, we're, yeah, we're doing Java. So what we're trying to do is... Um, it, we're a bit like fun. Yeah. You know, we we kind of come up with some crazy ideas about right. how you can use Java and different things that you can do with Java. Right. So we, we've got some, you know, the talk I did at lunchtime, which is, uh, you know, it was about how to solve warm-up problem in Java. Right. And it was the idea of having a look at different approaches because there really isn't one solution to everything. Right. And it was like, okay, so we could There's just that. No, no, no. So, no. so, so we have like yeah. native images. Lots of people go, well, that, that's a great way of solving warm-up time, right? Because you just run native code. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, but which is great. But you know, and I know the GraalVM team will not like me for saying this, but uh -huh. the, the ultimate level of performance you get with GraalVM compiled code and the static compiled code uh -huh. is not going to be the same that you get with JIT compiled code. Okay. Because you can do things called spectator optimization right. in JIT compiled code that you can't do in uh, ahead of time compiled code. Right. With, with Profile goaded optimization, yeah. still not quite as good. But the, the other thing, so that's one approach. Very good for things like um, ephemeral microservices, AWS okay. standards, stuff like that. Really yeah. good for that. But then we've got other ideas around. Cold starts are an issue in Absolutely. every context. Yeah. Even if you're just doing a regular long living, yeah. long lived process, the faster I'm up, the faster I can not worry about with that customer clicking away, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so we've got other ideas. So we did a thing called Ready Now, which is actually one of the, the sort of ideas that Project Leiden has that was taken on board. So is that how you pronounce it? That's a Leiden. problem. Leiden. 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 Not Leiden. Yes, not Leiden. Okay, Leiden. Leiden. Let's do this. Um, Leiden. So, so this is one of the ideas they took on, which is really to, to run your application, let it warm up, yeah. and then take a profile of the JIT compilation. Right. So it's, it's more than just like taking a copy of the code. You take uh, a list of all the classes that are loaded, all the classes initialized, and the profiling data, and most importantly, all the optimizations that occur, so you can learn from your mistakes. Uh, when you start the application up again, you can immediately load classes, initialize classes, compile code if you need to. Skip straight to yeah. To so when you when you enter main, you've got like fully warmed up, uh, JIT compiled code. I see. So that that's really good. So that that's always one problem if you just want to do that. But the other thing we came out with more recently is Java on crack. Right, great name. I have questions. Let's talk about crack. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. By the way, this is not recently. Recently, I had Gil, yeah. uh, your your CTO, and another. You two, by the way, are two of my favorite. Um, if I want somebody to talk to me about the bowels of the JVM, there are very few people. You and I hold you in the best of company. You, Doctor, Doctor Kaboots, Pine, uh, yeah, Kirk uh, Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, just there are very few people on the planet I trust more with the the nuances of the machine, you know? Um, anyway. I, I'd say Gil is an order of magnitude above me on, on understanding how it works internally. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, Crack is, is all about like taking a snapshot of a running application yeah, and then restarting it from the exact same point. So you're not just getting compiled code, you're getting all your state in terms of heap, stack, where, right. your, where your application is at any given point, and then restarting it from exactly that point. But that doesn't work if you just say, right, let's just freeze the application and then restart it because all sorts of things like if you've got open file descriptors, if you've got open network connections, you're going to try and restart it in, you know, an hour later. state, right? Yeah, it, it all goes stale. And, and yeah. So what we do with Crack is coordinate it. So the application knows it's being checkpointed. It knows it's being right. stored. It can close those network connections. It can close those files. When it restarts, it can go, right, do a checksum. Did the file change? Do I need to do something with that? Right. Open the file again, recreate the network connection, and continue from where you go. And, and we've done a couple of like kind of uh, examples of this. And that shows that like the Spring Boot application. Right, I saw that. that with, and time to first transaction with the application we wrote with the machine we ran it on was about four seconds. What? And when we did it with a crack restore, 40 milliseconds. So at the exact same point, 40 milliseconds. Wow. Who orders a manga yeah. faster? Okay, phenomenal. And that's just, you know, that's, you're not even on a particularly hefty machine, nothing nope. like a server machine either. Yeah. Imagine. Um, and that's a, you probably took a full, uh, yeah. fully loaded Spring Boot app. Exactly, yeah. But I mean, imagine the context of like, uh, you're running on um, Lambda or something, you know, they have yeah. Snap Start there. Yeah, right? that's exactly what uh, AWS have done with Snap Right. It's the same approach. So they use the same API that we create. Right. They've got a slightly different implementation underneath in terms of how they do it, but same idea. So you, you take a snapshot of the, the Lambda so that you get that instant start. Right. start. Super quick. And that my figures. And in that in that situation, you're not going to have the full fully loaded Spring Boot app with everything. Yeah. It's going to be a context. It's going to be the, the what's required to support a Lambda. That's right. it. Yeah. So that'll be even faster, yeah. much faster. So, okay. Back to the original question, which is, you mentioned uh, Leiden. Yep. Did I pronounce it right? Yep. Okay. I'm no expert. How do you? And by the way, just for the for the since you're on camera, okay. how do how do I how do I pronounce that one? 
or whatever that sauce. Uh, Worcester. Yeah, sure. Worcester sauce. That's not right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. You got it wrong. Okay, so so I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a thing here, right? A okay. little detour. Okay. Right? Okay. So yeah, you're right. So so Worcester. Sure. Which is how I pronounce it. Uh, it, it looks like Worcestershire. Yeah, yes. But it's actually Worcester, which is Worcester. Okay. So the only thing I would say to you is how do you pronounce Arkansas? Or Arkansas, how do you spell Arkansas? Arkansas. Yeah. Which I always say ironically, but it should be the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair, so fair point. Well, I mean, really, Allegheny is there to say you're cheating at Scrabble. It's just, it's not fair. <laughs> cheating at Scrabble. All those extra use. Okay. So all that, go back to where we were. All right, buddy. That's okay if you want to join. I don't care. Um, uh, so Leiden. Yep. Crack. Yep. Is there a convergence point? Is one a mirror of the other? What is the um? What's the story there? Leiden, as a project, is trying to take a bigger uh, sort of approach. Yeah. They've come up with a more sort of architectural look at it in terms of what they call condensers. Yeah. Could crack be a condenser? Yeah. See that? That's the whole point. So, so condensers are, are ways of um, manipulating an application. Yeah. So that you can change the way that it starts up and its performance profile in terms of starting up. So different condensers can be used for different situations. So this right. kind of comes back to what I was saying, is that there isn't one uh, one recipe that fits every situation. Right. So Leiden is more about, so what are the, the different approaches we can take and create those as condensers? So you can convert an application from one form to another, whether it's bytecodes into native code okay. directly, or whether it's using something like ReadyNow, where you're taking a profile of the JIT when you've got a warmed up application and then reusing that Right. When you restart the application or crack, where you're taking the whole snapshot, these are different ways of condensing the, the code. So, yeah, yeah. Leiden has some, some interesting ideas. I agree. And so that stuff is, so crack right now is more available. I, like if I want to, yeah. so it works on Java, it works on Cryo. Yes. So it only, runs, only runs on Linux. On Linux. But I can use uh, Azul's. Yes. Open JDK plus plus distribution. Yeah. So so there are builds of Zulu for, for both 17 and 21 now. C U L U is yep. the build from Azul. Yep. Okay. And it's an open JDK for Java 21. Exactly. So it's fully fully conforms to the specification, but it implements crack. So okay. then you can you can download it, it's free. It's you know just a build of open JDK with our stuff in it. Play around with it, try it out, see what you think of it. Is it is it is there uh, so what's the scale? how do you make money? Like <laughs> What's uh we, we make money by providing support. Okay. So uh well support around open JDK, so Zulu. Um and then we also have our uh high performance JBM Prime, which is about lower latency from garbage collection, high throughput from different chip compilation, plus ready now and, and stuff like that. That's amazing. So the Zulu uh Zulu I can use that for free at in yep. production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use what scale? Yep, absolutely. But if I want support, then I need to like start. Exactly. Which is fair. Yeah. More than fair. It's, 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 it's like the Linux model, you know. Yeah. Um, so you got Red Hat, you know, sure. you can use Linux for free or you can pay Red Hat for support. Which, like, again, fair. Yeah. Like a good deal. Um, okay. So Zulu, and you got the Prime? Prime. Prime. P-R-I-M-E. Uh, yes. Okay. Like Prime the pump. Yeah. The Java pump. Uh, okay. So you can do that today. I think we're going to have some support in Spring Boot, I've been told. Yes. A little bit. A little bit. Um uh spring boot 6.1 spring framework 6.1 spring boot 3.2 i guess is when i think that's happening i could be wrong I, yes uh, you might have heard more than i did yeah uh, i know that garrett's been talking to the spring people about right this. yeah and we, so we're, we're excited about that i think uh, jürgen might have said something about it as well yeah so yeah that's exciting that means if yep. you're running on zulu on 
Linux, which, you know, why not? And Linux is what most, most people are using. You might as well switch yep. to Zulu. Yep. Uh, you can benefit from that. Exactly. And the component model, the track programming model, is there and it's already of use in, like we said, the context like a snap start, you know, yep. and, and Amazon. Um, Leiden, 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 Leiden. <laughs> Leiden is a... Upcase symbol. Leiden is um, down the road. Yes. A bit. Yes. Okay. So just want to separate those things again, disentangle yeah. them again. Yeah. So, so what we have in terms of crack is, is ready to go. You can download it now. You can run it. You can try it out. It's production ready. I like production ready. Yeah. I like production. We, we will support it okay. if you want to. Um, yeah, Leiden is still a work in progress. Uh, they publish some, you know, some ideas and, and stuff like that. But right. we're a bit, you know, further down the road. Amazing. My friend, as usual, a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think yeah. they they yeah, session come out finished. session, so we're so, in a bit busy here. Yeah. We're gonna have to go. Bye everybody. Thanks for uh, hanging out. I appreciate you, my friend. Cool. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.